0: I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Marr. He's on the line here, and he's the editor of Changing Ireland, great magazine, and um, comes out every quarter. And he's going to talk to me about a few more items that have been in the winter edition, uh, which was issue eighty-three. Hello, Alan. How are you? Uh,
1: hello, Adrian. Uh, it's nice to be on Ross FM.
0: Yes. Good to have you on. I've spoken to you before on Near FM and of course I did an article for you many moons ago in another life. <laughs> yes,
1: indeed. <laughs> we might we might squeeze one more another one out of you yes, someday. Uh, Hopefully. Uh, your uh, inquiries around Roscommon oh this Um,
0: is it yes definitely Roscommon community yes I will be definitely looking out for for things to do but you see my first item that I wrote for you was just before lockdown and I thought I was going to get to go to loads of community (laughs) (laughs) events and then everything just shut down so that was the end of me
1: (laughs) and now here you are yes (laughs)
0: <laughs> here I am. Well, I'm back on radio anyway. I was I was always on radio um, with Near FM, but now I'm delighted to be here in Ross FM. And it's great to be talking to you because this magazine is just such a great magazine. Um, it has such a variety of items. I mean, uh, we will be talking about very different things. I mean, there's uh, Leitrim's no-kill policy for the dogs, but then there's also uh, Bernadette McGalaxy who addresses um, the shame of choosing career over protesting. So that's a different slant on things. Now, I was hoping to talk to is it Noel with regards to... Yes. uh,
1: Dublin. Um, He was going to talk about the riots in Dublin. Yes. The aftermath and the impact on community workers there.
0: Yes and, and he, he went and he got statements and comments from them. Well I hope to have him on maybe next week or if we can't in the weeks to come um, but for now let's go to one of the items in this um, edition and we'll go first to page five. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Very
1: good. Yes. Uh, I, so before we begin uh, Adrian, uh, and am I saying your name right? Please you are. me, and maybe for listeners too. Okay, I am. Oh
0: no, Adrian, that's right, yes.
1: Adrian, yes. and I, yeah, I, I had a very small, short stint in Roscommon as a reporter with the Roscommon champion, a time I remember fondly because I, I have—I got to travel the county, hitching back then, there was no uh, budget for transport, you just made your own way around, but uh, I, I found the Roscommon people very, very friendly, and... It was uh, an endearing experience, and yeah, you're, I think you're lucky, and Roscommon is lucky to get you as well.
0: Oh, um, I feel but, very uh, lucky because, yes, they're all just such lovely people, and that's what drew me to Ros- Ca- County Ross. I'm in County Roscommon. I live out just outside the town, but um, it was the people. Every time I came into Common or anywhere around, just everyone was so friendly, and I'm loving it, loving it here. <laughs>
1: as I
0: did as you did yeah for your short little stint but um, let's go to page 5 then of this edition and this was an article that was actually written by Cathy Masterson but it was, it, it, I just caught my eye because there's so much happening with the burning down of uh, buildings that are earmarked for refugees or such like. Um, And this was a lovely, lovely piece with regards to groups calling for resources and that insist rioters and looters don't define communities. So tell us a bit about the article um, yourself, Alan.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Cathy has done a nice piece of work here on compiling the different statements made by different community groups and it's good they spoke out and speak and speak up mm-hmm. um, because without them the mainstream media could frame it that inner-city Dublin people, for example, are um, just to be dismissed and that they're, they're all rioters. I think we know they're not all rioters or anything like it. Um, as Caroline Gardner, for example, quoted here, um, she's with a, a group called Quality Matters She was saying a small group of fascist leaning individuals are preying on young disenfranchised people who are looking for a place to vent their anger anger at a lack of opportunities. And she says the solution, uh, she told Cathy, had to be twofold, taking a firm approach to hate speech and, uh, you know, those organising it and then putting resources around young people who were falling out of school and work and... um, People coming out of prison. Uh, actually, we have an article on that in the next edition, and uh, mental health services as well. So, mm. Mm. you know, state investment. Community workers have been mm. saying to Changing Ireland from Dublin for a long time, and I think it was easy for the the absolute racists and uh, those with hate to. A tap into, you know, a sense of frustration and, uh, you know, next thing you have riots and so on. Um, just hmm. to say this, it wasn't predictable as well uh, as um, some in government had uh, tried to claim uh, that that's not borne out by the statements that we, and, you know, the change Ireland through Cathy Masterson's work and uh, Noel Wardick with uh, Dublin City Community Co-op have, have uh, been able to provide evidence to the contrary, that there were plenty warnings that uh, that community needed more support and communities need to be listened to and unfortunately on this occasion it led to international headlines uh, about Ireland's reputation for no longer being a welcoming place and and it is still a welcoming place but uh, those were it's And the burning of buses and police cars and so on um, shocked us
0: all. I know. and You know what frustrates me is that that gets more headlines and that really now is portrayed in the news and they talk about it and talk about it. And that was one small event. And then there's United Against Racism, there's Ireland for All Solidarity and they're having marches and everything. And you don't see as much, you don't hear as much of that. Of the good good news stories, I suppose,
1: uh, and that's one reason Changing Ireland is there is to provide a platform to uh, the community voice that isn't heard as frequently, uh, either issuing warnings or celebrating successes and so on. Um, the yeah, and I think the the people are quite measured, you know, in their statements. It, it, there was what, what kind of was. Used as an excuse for starting the rioting and so on was an attack um, by, uh, I think, an Algerian uh, person with mental health issues on children and on a, 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 a sorry, a, a childcare worker who stepped in to try to save them from being uh, knifed, and you know people are cognizant of the horror of that too because that hadn't happened before, and you know they were calling for prayers for the children and solidarity. And um, people are worried about their safety, but are, uh, mo- mo- mostly of all because of racism and because of you know that there weren't enough police there. But you lived in Dublin. Um, what? what re- how did you feel about it in the days afterwards? Did you, as you're saying, as you're saying, did you think it got unfair coverage?
0: Um, I felt that. As you, as the article said, that it was just a small minority, um, and they, they were, it was portrayed as if there was a lot of people against, you know, refugees, and you know that that that, that was the fight. But to me, it wasn't. That was the, only the excuse for them to go out and riot. And I think what said in the article about. Um, integration needing to happen in the community and but they also need they have to have some initiative and innovative solutions for um these people not just jumping on this they've nothing else to do and they are angry they're angry you know that they they have no jobs or you know that the, the there's not enough in that community, and especially in the inner city of Dublin, they're trying to put, you know, get some environment. But on our main street in Dublin, my goodness, O'Connell Street is just fast food joints. The, you know, um, the the they don't have enough facilities for people. They don't have enough um, different innovative ideas for for these young people to to get into and I think they're trying they're trying to get things um but there's always going to be that small small element and I think that they're giving them too much of a voice too much they put it out and they put it out and it was going out you know the world was seeing this as oh my goodness and it was a small thing that happened on one night For a couple of hours with a very small amount of people and you could see that they were just raiding shops that was basically what they were about (laughs) getting their designer gear you know and um, to me the the likes of the march for united against uh racism the likes of the groups that were getting together to pray for children and for solidarity and uh, against those hateful riots that didn't, that wasn't then shown on the news that that was happening.
1: Uh, No, fair enough. Um, I'm just looking at the headlines here and you'll talk to Noel Wardick uh, soon. I mean, we're talking about Dublin, but I, I do think it has national ramifications, as you say, because of the international headlines and so on, but losing control over the main street in the capital city is a shame to mm, every mm. Uh, person across Ireland, uh, every county. And it was something I personally had uh, uh, concerns about before. I'm not saying I'm a, 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 a fortune teller, but I'm or a suitsayer or whatever they say. But I, I just was concerned at the lack of care for the capital's main street and the area around it. Yes,
0: um, yeah.
1: But to me, living down the country, it was more a case of national pride. Whereas for the community workers living in Dublin, inner city, and working there, I mean, I'm looking at the headlines here in the magazine. You know, these are quotes. All the concerns we have been raising were ignored. Uh, somebody else said, uh, I'm in a near blind rage with the state. <clears throat> like you have to remember, uh, like you to remember, but, you know, there was the Hutch Kinahan murder feud. And there was a response to that, and you know, the Taoiseach's department at the time took a keen interest in the area, and there was some investment, but nonetheless, it wasn't sufficient. Um, as somebody else said, uh, following the riots, and um, I feel overwhelmed by the lack of clear and inspiring leadership. Um, so, th- these are quite <sighs> important. Uh, Statements to have mm. on the record, mm. and I'm glad that Changing Ireland w- 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 was able to do so. You know, just uh, we were able to collaborate with Noel Wardy because mm. he and his staff had gone to the trouble of sitting down and you know working out their fears. Some of them were afraid to go to work. Um, no, and
0: well, now talking about that fear, I myself, when I was in Dublin, I very rarely went into Dublin City on a night out. Yeah. I I was afraid. You'd be afraid to be in there because there is no policing. Years ago, when I was in my 20s and 30s and you'd go in, it was different. There were police going around all the time. You felt safe. There was also that kind of friendly community, you know, where people would speak to the guards. There was communication. Now, there's not that many guards police around in the city centre I mean look at all the um, tours that had been robbed or, or beaten up or knifed one guy losing his eye I mean there's just so much that had been coming up before that before that riot happened to say that the streets were safe was ridiculous by the minister um, So,
1: and I think it was taken advantage of then by these people from outside on social media Yes. Semi, yeah. Semi-secretive uh, online channels encouraging people to go in and literally uh, start fires and attack and start That's attacking it. people. Like they should be behind bars. There's not two ways about that.
0: Definitely, um, they should have um, been able to find other. them with, a, with all the social media that was out there and all the coverage of it. They should have been Actually, able to find been them. Arrests.
1: There have sorry for talking over you. No, India. you're
0: fine.
1: I think there have been arrests. In fairness, but um, you know, so they are doing some work. But the amount of CCTV coverage they have, I think, is overwhelming now, um, to go through it all. Uh, but nonetheless, they they, are, they seem to be doing so. But, they, 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 yeah, in any case...
0: Uh but getting back to Cathy Masterson's article in your magazine, I really like that story. You know, it, it, it's m- focusing on the majority who are the same people who are, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to be peacemakers. And, uh, you know, um, they're against all of that. They're against racism and they're against that sort of uh, fighting and rioting. So I liked that piece. It was really good.
1: Very good. Yes. And and what I really liked in general about the uh, coverage by Cathy and... um, Olds worked with his staff uh, in trying to, you know, in bringing out their, their views, opinions and concerns was that they didn't sugarcoat their views and, you know, they they, they also, you know, were very much highlighting that resourcing in the area is lower than what is needed and um, that's why, you know, you had somebody saying they were in a blind rage with the state because even I looked back over Olds Changing Ireland we had warned about this too, we Quoted them similarly, saying, issuing warnings five six years ago. Uh, because if people people in Roscommon might might not know, but there's a great number, and this this is the kind of stuff the right wing or the hate I don't like to say right wing the the pure racist the, the hateful types pick up on and um, misuse. But they were the community workers were stating as fact and it is a fact that there's a higher number of people in drug addiction or drug recovery uh and a higher number of homeless people being housed on gardner street i think it is for instance then you'd get in your average village or town or city around the country the northeast inner city has a is a kind of they as one of the community workers were saying we feel like second class second class citizens here um well they should be listened to that's the message and um
0: but the fact that yeah. they had raised all these concerns and they were just ignored. So, you know, they really need to go back to the drawing board and they really need to listen to these people who are in the know. They're, you know, they're, they're community workers within the area. So they should they should know and hear and see what's going on. Um, so
1: um, we we'll move sorry, on just to... to fi- oh, just a final you want point to we move on. Yeah, just one of the reasons that we'd be fairly... Uh, Include in about um, the correct angle to take from a media point of view is that Changing Ireland is based in Moyross in Limerick and it's a community, it's an urban community on the north side of the River Shannon there uh, and it has suffered a lot of stigmatisation over the years decades due mm-hmm. to gang violence and uh, state, uh, the state ignoring um, poverty issues and leaving things fester. Uh, low-level policing. I mean, a lot of the um, challenges that Moira faced were on a... And they made international headlines, to be honest. We had in our office visitors from uh, Italian newspapers, New York, um, Germany, uh, TV companies from abroad. That's not what I expected when we went into... When I moved... Or sorry, when I took up the job in Moiroth as editor of Changing Ireland um, uh, quite some years ago. Uh, so it did allow us to kind of have a bit of a, a sense of where we should go with the story, that we need to hear what community workers are saying, because they are they're the people, you know? they're Yeah, working
0: they're on. on the ground.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. But that's a bit of our history. But There's, that's it. No I
0: mean, it's not just the that, that was the the main city uh, or dublin um but it's it's you can see things are happening around the country as well i mean even with the burning of um the ha- houses that are maybe earmarked for refugees that's becoming a a, a a bit of a thing now um and another thing another jump on the bandwagon um and you know, that's just more of of the same and I think, you know, that needs to be looked at, that needs to be stopped. Nip it in the bud before it gets,
1: you know, much further. I I think there have been over 20 Mm buildings that have been fired by arsonists who have been in prison. Uh, You know, um, again, that's a policing issue, uh, I suppose, number one, but in terms of trying to prevent it happening. I'm not sure myself what you can do, but uh, it, it's very frustrating for community workers who are trying to encourage integration, um, help newcomers here, uh, support local communities in getting to know the newcomers and uh, welcome them, I suppose. You know what like, I mean? They're very pilloried. Anybody coming from abroad now is immediately labelled, especially if they're a man um, or a young, you know, uh, a young man or old man, whatever, they're kind of being um, very stereotyped and it's been picked up by politicians and mainstream media now as well, where mm. where a lot of them are, uh, you know, fleeing for their lives. Those that are like the Irish that went to America illegally back in the day, they're no different. They're just chancing their arm trying to get a a few bob and make a bit of a life for themselves, you know, and find a bit of work that isn't available in their home country. Yes, Um yes. I don't think, like, and and racists twisting that uh, be, uh, on the back of, um, when, when someone commits a criminal act, like the, the the person in Dublin attacking the children, and that was undoubtedly, like, psh, oh, it hadn't happened here in Ireland, so it was anything like it, so, Well,
0: that was just one crazy incident. That was one crazy incident. But, um, you know, I myself, I did a podcast just there last week. um, And I spoke to two lovely girls who are here in the building, actually. They're working uh, upstairs and uh, they're from Ukraine. And they've had to flee their country. And I was crying by the end of it. They were crying. It was just so emotional to hear their story. And, uh, you know, I I was just trying to picture it and say, like, if a bomb was to just hit all of a sudden it, here uh, and we have to get up, we have to parcel up one little bag of clothes or, or one bag of memories we were saying we'd take the photographs first that's what she said, she'd take her photographs and you know to move, to to walk and to try and get out of their home and to Try to build something, and it's all just on a temporary they do they have no idea how long it's going to be and it's just terrifying for them and to think that there's there's a lot of other people who have come to seek asylum or refuge and try and make a better life here, and to think that people wouldn't just you know hold out their hands to them and give them a hug and l- 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 let them be part of our our society you know um if, yeah,
1: if, I, had, I had a similar experience interviewing a, a Ukrainian uh, person, a refugee, yesterday. Uh, as in, uh, she had. I, I I I just interviewed her, and she was saying she wears a little Ukrainian flag on her bag when she's going to work, which nice. is in Dublin. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And now uh, she's a bit nervous, like she's been abused by some racist under old, and she's she still has her Ugr- Ukrainian colours on her bag but she's afraid of getting attacked someday in Dublin. And I asked her, interestingly, and how about, because she's hosted by a family down in outside Thurless in Tipperary, and if, and she's also lived in Rat Downey when she was working there with a construction company, building refugee houses, actually, um, modular housing in Rat Downey. But I asked her, and how do you feel when you're in Rat Downey or Thurless? And she just laughed at me in a good way. Do you know? She just fell back in the chair laughing because... She said, no, 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 the countryside's very friendly. And that's Mm -hmm. what's worrying about these burnings of buildings. A lot of them are happening outside Dublin, uh, if not. uh, And I would hate to see listeners begin to get their minds twisted. We're we're all open to being influenced, all of us, including Uh, media uh, practitioners. um, You know, it's very easy to kind of go, oh, yeah, they've got a bit of a point there. And next thing you know, you're down with a protest with them, and they're associated with the same people who are going around burning buildings. I mean, it's it's atrocious. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I, going back to your podcast interviews with Ukrainians, we cannot forget if we had one bomb drop here, and we've had bombs in Ireland, uh, very sadly, obviously, but it, thankfully, a long time ago. But I mean, we shouldn't have to experience a bomb to be able to imagine the effect of the woman I interviewed yesterday, Tanya. She had the missile, missiles were falling on a military installation that you could see out of her window of her apartment, and uh, it, she was terrified. Mm. Uh, I, mm. You know, like,
0: and we, it's one day it's everything's like fine. Yeah, everything's fine. I and with in a moment, the whole your whole life changes. And it's just frightening, you know. Um, So, well, thank goodness as well, the two girls that I was talking to, the same, they said the same, they had no issues and they'd never had any racial um, discrimination or any racial taunts um, since they've come. Um, And they're a couple of years here now. Um, because yeah. you can't believe the war has gone on this long, you know, and uh, nobody has stopped that man. <laughs> so, um, uh, sorry,
1: sorry, I'm getting carried away now. But yes, Tonya, who I interviewed yesterday, had has been working uh, since the first, the end of the first week she came here. Yeah, she started yeah. working as what she called uh, as what she called a dishwasher manager. So she was basically washing pots and pans in the back of a restaurant. Um, But she had ambition and um, she's been working since. She ended up moving to a canteen with a construction company and then got into the building side rather than the cooking side of work in that construction company. But she's been working every week uh, since she came here, apart from uh, going home. And it was quite uh, disturbing when she went home on what we would call a holiday. Uh, She showed me a video on her phone of the alarm going off the um, missile siren or bomb warning siren going off uh, on, on a uh, near hourly basis.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's
1: it's, I think we we need to remember the war has not. Um,
0: it's still going not, on, and the thing not, is, just yeah. because it's not now in mainstream um you know there's not as much talk of it because there's more talk of gaza and um you know the israeli war has kind of taken over in that respect but uh, i mean if you watch news reels and euro news and various uh, videos or podcasts you will see that it is still going on, and um, yes, Olina uh, uh, had said that she went back as well at Christmas, and you know their, their villages are destroyed, um, and they're going back and like that. It's just they're waiting for, and there was there was bombs and things, and they to try to get out. So. Very frightening, you know, and ju- they're yeah. just going back to try and visit a uh, family. But in saying that, now we'll go to page twelve of of um, the, this issue that we're talking about because this talks about what we've just been what we've just been doing, trying to speak out against these things. Um, this is an item that you did yourself, and you spoke to Bernadette McGalliskey. Um, who basically, you know, was trying to say that if you're afraid to speak out now, you'll fail your community. So tell us about that.
1: Bernadette, um, she's, as described here, as a veteran civil rights activist. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. She's uh, based in Tyrone. I think it was Dungannon she was. uh, And she, after having been an MP in the British Parliament, during um, the troubles and having always stood with people who were being trampled on, as she would see it, and uh, I'm sure many of your listeners would see it, she entered the world of community development and um, led a group called the South Tyrone Empowerment Programme for a long time. Anyway, she's retired now, uh, but (laughs) she's very dedicated still and came down to a protest in Shannon Airport because it's used by the US military, um, despite us being ostensibly neutral uh, for transporting troops, uh, it has been for over 20 years, troops around the world and uh, armour, because they don't check the planes. So uh, the, the Irish authorities refuse to check the planes, even though they have a right and entitlement. To, um, I know quite a lot about this, being Limerick-based, and um, it, so Shannon is near, near us. It was fascinating what Bernadette had to say to community workers or anybody uh, working in a kind of helping, uh, in the helping sector, uh, to throw the net quite wide. So that would include lecturers, for example, in third-level colleges. And many of them are tied in with EU-funded programmes that involve Israel. So they're faced with a dilemma. And so, so too are... Um, some community groups who are maybe connected via Erasmus or other EU programs uh with uh, Israel do you just continue as normal um a, despite the genocide or do you boycott if you boycott you, you know your career might suffer and uh Bernadette was just saying we all have choices to make um so what if you're going to lose your funding um you're but you're going to have to make a choice, and that's her point. There's no escaping the choices that, that, that people either side with those victims of... I mean, they were bombing Rafa refugee camp yesterday. Yes, they were bombing yes. hospitals. It, it, like it's become normal now. I know the Russians. Mm. Syria too, but this seems... Well, I suppose
0: like. what she's saying is... Basically, stand up and be counted. And you know, if if you don't, if if you you know keep stump about it, then you're more or less complicit with what's going on. Um, you know, yeah. And
1: what's the point in doing lovely community work with? Um, uh, Bernadette McAliskey was saying, um, you know, we're not just changing the world; we're changing it for the better, changing it for social justice. And and that requires a lot of different activity in the community. Um, and she was saying, like, if you're organising a project for young people to build their self confidence, she'd ask you, for what? For what? Uh, if you're building a, a... Whatever you're doing in the community, she'd say, why are you doing it? For what? And people... You, as you were saying, anyway, it's, it's kind of... People have to make a choice on this now. Um, if it compromises their career... So be it. But they have to decide whether they're in community development or community work, youth work, uh, for money or for profit.
0: Yes. Now, she does say, this is a quote from her, sadly, in modern times, our governments have led us to links with oppressing people across the world. We need to make them understand no more. No ministerial backside should occupy a ministerial seat after the next general election without a promise to maintain ad infinitum our neutrality in going to war on behalf of anybody in the world who would seek to oppress another. Really loved that quote by her.
1: Yes, it's perfect. Um, So, you know, a lot of media is conducted nowadays uh, as we are here today by phone, and it was nice to meet her in person. I'd met her just once before, and yeah, she's a pleasant person too she's you know some some of these kind of people that we look up to can be quite serious and it's it's nice when you meet uh, meet them in person and discover uh anyway she, she's very personable easy going uh approachable uh smiley kind of happy kind of person mm. so it mm. can be all that and be deadly serious about your ethics as well at the same time. Um, in any case, uh, yes. Uh, any other questions on on that story? Or? No,
0: just, yeah, I just love the article, you know, and it's basically practice your ethics now and stand up for what you believe in. So, yeah, it's a very good article. So um, let's go on to this. Uh, it's on page 20 and 21 of uh, the uh Last last month's. It's uh, the dogs in Leitrim. Tell us about, <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I
1: thought you were going to ask about the community radio, but, uh, which I'd know a little more about. Oh, was,
0: well, well, was, I was going to leave that to last now.
1: Oh, no, leave that to last. Leave the best to last. The okay. best to last, yes, yes. Okay, well, if I was a dog in Ireland, I'd rather be a dog in Leitrim than anywhere else. That's for starters. <laughs> so. Uh, and you might wonder why I'd rather be a dog in Leitrim than uh, a dog in Cavanagh or, or up in Mayo or something. If I got lost in Leitrim, the chances of me being found are pretty good. Uh, Megan Gaffney there from Leitrim Animal Welfare, she's the, um, what do you call them, the, uh, the, the, the she's based in and um Dog Welfare Officer, and I can't think of the proper title.
0: Yeah, she's it, from uh, Dog Trust, isn't she?
1: A dog Trust, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what do I see here? I should have made. In any. Yeah, Leitrim Animal Welfare.
0: Well, basically, they're not going to be shot. <laughs> no, they're
1: not going to be shot. This is the thing. Every council has to have a dog pound. And in Leitrim's case, uh, Megan Gaffney leads out with Leitrim Animal Welfare in ensuring that we just don't kill the dogs. Um, unless there's a very rare exception if there's behavioural li- issues with a dog. Uh, or if a dog is very sick, then they will put down the dog, which is, I think, understandable. But they have a no-kill policy. And
0: and is that even if they've attacked, you know, the way there was a lot of attacks on children there by dogs? No, um, so so
1: that's a behavioural issue that would cause the dog to be euthanized. Uh, they're clear about that. No, they right. won't be keeping dogs that have a, a record of attacking anyone. Uh, that, that, no. But that, that's rare. I mean, it's awful when it happens. I think they're, the, the kind of bigger thing in the article really was people lose dogs a lot. Now, if they're robbed back of a van and off to some foreign country, um, there's nothing you can do about it. But if it, the dog goes missing up the road, um, they, they have a, a, a brilliant Facebook page with like thousands and thousands of followers. And between that and their um, tagging, if, if the dog is tagged... They can just scan the dog and immediately know who the dog belongs to and return it to its owner and as she said it saves a lot of unnecessary heartache and she really encourages and they do have this dog scanning now in all other counties um so go down to your animal welfare trust or a dog pound um just google locally your local authority has responsibility and get your dog microchipped and
0: And does it cost much does it cost much to get it done?
1: Good question. Um, I don't think so. Uh, but I, I, no, I don't know the answer to that question. Right. <laughs> <Not> that <laughs> but
0: it's a good thing to do. And once it's done, then if your pet gets out or, uh, you know, if it gets lost, at least then they can just scan it and all the information is there and they'll bring the dog back to you. It's great. Yeah.
1: And in fact, by law, all dogs are supposed to be microchipped since 2015 um but that doesn't mean everyone does this but definitely one of the advantages is apart from it being uh, you know apart from obeying the law if your dog goes missing you'll get it back a lot faster the eighteen thousand followers they have on facebook so can you imagine eighteen thousand people out looking for your missing dog um down here in limerick i met a a man out with his drone uh recently down by the river shannon we were at a hurling match he found a dog with his drone that had been five, six days missing. This, Along to Shannon. And, um, you know, people really, really love their pets. And if you love your pets, go get your... um, microchipped.
0: Microchipped. Now, quickly, we don't have very much time now, Alan. So let's get on to this item about what next for community radio stations take a community development approach to broadcasting. Community engagement is high, but future funding a real challenge. So this is an article that you wrote. Yes, I had the
1: pleasure of attending Creole. Creole is the Network for Community Radio. Stations, it is indeed, uh, yes, yes. And I had the pleasure of attending their awards ceremony um, not so long ago in that loan and the, the, you were, I'm speaking to you, uh, HM, uh, you're one of two and a half thousand volunteers according to the statistics and there's also 180 staff uh, employed around the country in 21 uh, stations like Ross FM and 15 others that are kind of aspirant stations. They hope to be set up on a permanent basis. Right. And it, it, it's extraordinary what, what you do, like, you know, 135,000 hours of radio and you welcome 100,000 individuals on air each year. So that's all well and fine and community radio is going for decades. But the uh, issue was driven home very strongly with Ro- and thankfully Ronan O'Donnell he's the Media Development Commissioner with a new body called Commission Naman. Man. I don't know why they have it in Irish, the new media commission, but they call it the Irish Commission Yes, yeah, so it
0: was the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Yeah, it's Commission the Man yeah. now.
1: Hmm. Um, in any case, Commission the Man, uh, he, he is well tuned in to how poorly funded community radio is. The, dif- the difficulty is that he won't have, he and his uh, new body won't have the ability to uh, award funding until for for a little while yet, and there's going to be a gap uh, in in the meantime in how community radio can fund itself because bubble uh, as an intermediary for government in providing funding to community groups, has been pulling back, and uh, that's the nitty gritty. So between one pole and another pole, you might you might fall into the water. Um, it, it, I, I, like community radio is very very. I don't have to say to your listeners different, it's important, it gives people on air uh, time to explore a topic without commercial considerations it's community development, it's inclusive, it uh, brings all types of people together it helps with isolation, not just for listeners, but for people, listeners can get involved, anyone can get involved But that's it,
0: yeah, I mean anybody you'll hear a lot of people on community radio that you won't hear on um, the ordinary commercial radio and it's all about diversity and, and it's for the community. The community can get involved and the fact that people can volunteer and come in and do a show of whatever description they like, it's its just, it's an amazing for... Yeah, like
1: we did a show in Limerick for a while, Changing Limerick, Changing Ireland and it took, so I did learn a bit about community radio. Anyone can do it. Anyone listening here now could just go knock on Ross FM's door with an idea and... I might start off just doing something... You you can tell your own story anyway. But uh, fantastic as it is, there is a funding challenge. And I, I personally would expect that, you know, Claire Hall, who heads up uh, the Creole board and her colleagues will be able to work it out between Hubble and Ronan O'Donnell in commissioning the man and others who have a... A role to play like the Department of Rural and Community Development because they administer the Community Services Programme which funds a lot of the staff yeah. uh, I would be a, a shocked if it can't be worked out
0: Well they uh, hope to um, establish uh, an overarching media fund that's put on a statutory basis it's not here yet but it's coming they say and next yeah. year they'll see the launch of a scheme to support journalism in regards to coverage of local democracy and uh, court reporting, so that's what he noted there. And um, unfortunately, we have run out of time. See, Alan, I knew we'd be able to talk <laughs> for an hour, even though Noel wasn't able to make it. <laughs> Sorry for the break in between. <laughs> Not at all. And um, I just want to say, how can people get the magazine? And um, yeah,
1: great point. thinking like ChangingIreland.ie is the website. And if you email editor at changingireland.ie, that's me, Alan Marr. You can i i, I can sign you up for a i can send you a copy by email, or sign you up for a print copy, um, or you get involved. So, editor, if you've a strong community story you think would interest a national audience. Have we run out of time? We have
0: definitely run out of time. I have to go. The next show is coming up. Neve is waiting to come on. So uh, thanks so much. Um, You take care and I will be in touch. We'll we'll talk again uh, before the next edition. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Alan. Take care. Bye-bye.